Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We are so glad that you are here today, and we welcome you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We welcome our guests, especially. You're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and a part of our family as we worship God together. Let me remind everyone of the attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to take those and fill those out so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. Just provide whatever information you feel comfortable and check the appropriate box on there. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter that comes out each each week, uh, put your email address on there and we'll put you on the list. It's a great way to keep up with the opportunities that are going on here at uh, Community Baptist Church. And uh, I'd like to bring to your attention a few of those opportunities today. First of all, before we get into that, let me let you know that we're going old school again today. We're not going to be having any graphics uh, for the worship service this morning. So when you see, uh, I know it's been a long time, but when you see that number next to the hymn that we sing, that means it, that's correlates to the page in the book. <laughs> so re, so turn to that page in the book when we get to the, to the hymns, and, and you'll have to read the words there. Um, let me also thank everyone who was involved with our Sureway fundraiser this past weekend. Uh, we, yeah, they did a great job. It was great food, and, and we appreciate all the good uh, volunteers and help that we had to make that a success. We did run into some weather issues that uh, prevented us from uh, uh, cooking as much as we normally do, and so we didn't make as much money as we normally do on this on this uh, fundraiser. But all in all, it was a great weekend, and so thank you so much for all your hard work. Thanks, Mike, for organizing everything, and we appreciate that and, and everybody who volunteered. We have another opportunity uh, for our fundraising for missions that's coming up on September the 30th and October the 1st, and that is our our yard sale, the Highway 60 yard sale. And we are already receiving uh, items. If you have, it's a good time to clean out your closets, folks. You know, I know they talk about spring cleaning. Fall works just as well. Uh, clean out your closets and bring your stuff here, and we will be glad to sell it for you. And uh, we're collecting things back in the children's area back here. We have a kids' bash that's coming up on Friday. Is that right? And so uh, put that on your calendar and, and look forward to that. And also put on your calendar October the 9th. We're having a church-wide picnic, and that will be at the Lakeview Shelter at Audubon State Park. Uh, there are a number of other activities in your bulletin. I won't go into those because you can read. And uh, and so look over those and put these uh, dates in your calendar and be a part of the fellowship and, and ministry and missions and worship that we have here. You, blood drive. That's coming up as well. And a bunch of other things as well. So read them in your bulletin there. Um, we're going to sing in just a moment, Share His Love. And so I think it would be quite appropriate for us to stand up if you are able, and let's do just that. Let's, let's share the love of Christ with one another as we greet each other in the name of God.
567 in your hymn book. 567.
Seems like the scripture came a little bit early in the service today. (laughs) Will you join with me in reading 1 Kings, the 17th chapter, verses 17 through 24. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. His illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. She then said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. But he said to her, Give me your son. He took him from her bosom, carried him up into the upper chamber where he was lodging, and laid him on his own bed. He cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow of whom I am staying by killing her son? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come unto him again. The Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. The life of the child came unto him again, and he revived. Elijah took the child, brought him down from the upper chamber into the house, and gave him to his mother. And then Elijah said, See, your son is alive. So the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. This is the word of God, and thanks be to God for his word.
you know who that is? Okay, guys. So, can you tell me who this man is? This, this picture. You guys can't see it, but um, yeah, like the teddy bear, named after him. Pretty cool, right? Okay. So, we got some scripture today. Going with what I'm going to talk about, and it is out of Luke. Do you guys know where Luke is in the Bible? Somebody tell me. Holler. Old Testament or New Testament? Matthew, Mark. So it's the third. Okay. So whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. What do you guys think that means? What is honesty? Yes, Marley. Yes. Anybody else? Hey, Zoe. What do you think honesty is? Okay, so telling the truth, yeah? Okay, so you guys ever heard of President Theodore Roosevelt, right? He was the 26th president of the United States. Before becoming president, he was a soldier, an author, served as the New York City Police Commissioner, and was even a cowboy. Very cool, right? As a young man, he he staked a claim in North Dakota and started his own ranch. Cool, right? During his time as a rancher, Roosevelt and one of his cowhands lassoed a stray calf. You guys know what a calf is, right? Yeah. What is it? It's a baby calf. Thank you. <laughs> they built a fire and prepared to brand the stray. The part of the range they were on belonged to Gregor Lang, one of Roosevelt's neighbors. According to the cattleman's rule at the time, a stray belonged to the person on whose land it was found. As his cowboy applied the brand, Roosevelt said, wait, it should be Gregor Lang's brand. That's all right, boss, said the cowboy, but you're putting my brand on it, Roosevelt said. That's right, said the man. So what was he doing? He was being dishonest, right? Drop that iron, Roosevelt demanded, and get back to the ranch. Pack your belongings and get out. I don't need you anymore. A man who will steal for me will also steal from me. Right? So he's mad. Why is he mad? Yes. Not cool, right? This story shows us that Theodore Roosevelt had a good understanding of the meaning of honesty. Jesus told his disciples a story to teach them about honesty. He told them about a rich man who had a manager, and the manager was using the man's money for himself. When the rich man discovered that the manager was wasting the money, he called him in and fired him. After telling the story, Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. If you and I can make sure that we are honest in small things, then we can be sure that we will be honest in big things. And people, if people know that they can trust us in small things, they will know that they can also trust us in big things. Pretty cool story, right? Dottie, help me find that. Thanks, Dottie. <laughs> yeah? Okay. So we're going to pray now, all right? 
Dear Father, help us to remember that Jesus taught us about honesty and help us to be honest in every situation, big or small. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So how are we going to go up the stairs? Yeah, but... Thank you for this community of faith, my brothers and sisters. We strive to be people of God. Help us to follow your example and love selflessly and give endlessly. Bless these gifts of yours we give back to you. Please use us and these gifts. 
Multiply them so that your kingdom may flourish. Master, thou callest, and this I reply. Ready and willing, Lord, here am I. Amen.
Oh. Isn't that beautiful? Yes, good job, choir. Wasn't that beautiful? And how many of you have seen the news this week? Yeah, if you've seen the news week this week, have you come away from it with any sense of peace? I haven't. You know, there's so much stuff going on in our world right now. We're in a in a divided country, we're in a divided world, and if there's ever a time that we need peace, it's now. Thank you, choir, for reminding us. I heard a, an amusing story um, <clears throat> not long ago about a woman that was coming through a checkout lane in the grocery store, and she noticed that the bag boy was uh, looking at her two adopted children rather curiously. And she said that that's not all that unusual because her son is a blonde Russian kid, Russian boy, and her daughter has the shiny black, black skin of a Haitian. And so the, the boy continued to stare as he carried the groceries out to her car, and finally he asked, Those your kids? And she replied, why, yes, they are. And then he said, they adopted? And she said, yes, they are adopted. And, she, and he said, I thought so. I figured you're too old to have kids that young. <laughs> now, I want you to keep that in mind as we look at today's story about people, not of different colors, but of different religions. The story comes to us from the time of the prophet Elijah. And this, this was not a good time in Israel's history. Most of the kingdom had fallen into idolatry. I almost said adultery, but idolatry. Baal worship had become the official religion of the state. The state of Israel had turned their back on Yahweh, their true God, and the whole state was worshiping Baal. There was a terrible drought and a famine across the land. Food was scarce, and the prophet Elijah was on the run from King Ahab at this moment. And so the Lord led Elijah to a stream where he could drink, but that stream soon dried up, and that's when the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. Now, Zarephath was located on the Mediterranean coast up north between Tyre and Sidon. It wasn't really a part of the, the nation of Israel. It was a, a more up in Samaria and even, even beyond that. And this was right in the heart of pagan territory. So this was not exactly a great place for a Jewish prophet to hide out. But then God said something else that was just as unlikely. God said, I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Now that sounds pretty ridiculous also because nobody struggled more during a time of famine than a widow did. They didn't have government programs in place that in those days to help people like that. 
And her neighbors were were just as desperate as they were, so they weren't going to help. And, and I'm sure that Elijah was thinking to himself that a pagan town and a widow with her young son was hard, with hardly enough to take care of even themselves, they couldn't be much help to him. But he went where God told him to go. And I think that that's one of the first secrets of a fulfilling life. If God tells you to do something, if God tells you to go somewhere, then get moving. Get going. Do it. Go. You might have heard the story about the weak, sickly man who couldn't afford a doctor. He lived way back in the woods in an old log cabin. And out in front of his cabin, there was this huge boulder. And so one night he had a vision in which God told him to go out and push that boulder all day long, day after day, until God told him to stop. And so the man got up out of bed the next morning and he did what he was told. He pushed on that rock as long as he could. Every day he pushed a little harder and a little longer and the days turned into weeks and the weeks turned into months. And after several months of pushing that rock, the man began to doubt whether this vision had actually come from God or not. And so he decided to measure how far he had actually been able to move that boulder, and he discovered that he hadn't budged it at all. Well, this just deflated him. It took all of the wind out of his sails. He was terribly disappointed, and so he sat on his porch and he cried. He felt that he had invested so much time, all for nothing. But as the sun was setting, Jesus came and sat down next to him. And Jesus asked, why are you so sad? And the man replied, Lord, you know how sick and weak I am. And and then this vision that you gave me built up a false hope. And I've pushed with all of my might for months against that old rock And that old rock is right where it was when I started. Hadn't moved an inch. And that's when Jesus said to the man, I never told you to move the rock. I just told you to push against it. And then Jesus told the man to step in front of a mirror and look at himself. And as the man did so, he was amazed He had been so sick and so weak, but now what he saw in that mirror standing before him was a strong, muscular man. And it dawned on him, you know, I've been feeling pretty good for a while now. I've been feeling better for quite a while, and it was all because he had been pushing against that rock day after day. And that's when the man understood that God's plan was not to change the position of that rock but to change him. And you know, that's how obedience works. Our task is not necessarily to understand what God is trying to accomplish. Rather, our task is simply to obey God. And later we will see the blessings from that obedience. And so Elijah, he did just that. He heard the word of the Lord that 
that he was to go to Zarephath, and where God had instructed a widow to su- supply him food. And so Elijah did just that, even though it seemed pretty foolish to him to do it. He had no, no, no reason to believe that this was going to help. But God told him to do it, and he did. So when he got there, he encountered a widow gathering sticks. And since this was Baal territory, people, uh, people worship the god Baal there. And since this was Baal territory, we can assume that this woman had been raised to worship idols, Baal. And yet, she had a kind and generous spirit. And you know, that happens sometimes, doesn't it? There are people of other faiths. There are people of other religions or even no faith at all who are just as generous and kind as a person who has been brought up in church all their lives, and maybe even more so. There are kind and generous people all over this planet. And so don't prejudge another person just because of that just because that person is of another faith or nationality. Elijah called to this widow and said, Hey, would you bring me a little drink of water? And so amazingly, she did so, even though there was not very much water to go around. She brought him some water. And as audacious as that request was, Elijah pressed on. And he said, Hey, can you bring me a little piece of bread too? But the widow said, I don't have any bread. I only have a handful of, of flour in a jar and a little olive oil. And I'm gathering up a few sticks to take home and, and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and then die. Can you hear the desperation of those words? She and her son were on the verge of starvation. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and then die. In other words, after this morsel of bread, there's nothing left. And so Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first make a small loaf for me. And then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will never run dry until the day the Lord sends rain upon the land. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. Even though this widow has no experience of Elijah's God, remember she's a Baal worshiper, and she has no experience of Elijah's God, And even so, she did as Elijah told her. And she used the last bit of flour and oil to provide for this prophet who was not even of her faith. And then something even more astounding happened. The flour and the, and the oil kept coming. There was food every day for this woman. That jar of flour never ran out. That little jug of oil never ran out. And there was food there every single day, enough for her 
and her son and for Elijah. Wow. Can you imagine that? You're going home to fix your last meal and all of a sudden you're guaranteed food every day. What a relief. This poor widow was probably thinking that that life was finally going to work out for her after all. Things were finally turning her way. But then the story takes an unexpected twist. You ever notice that some people just have bad luck? You ever notice that? Some of... Uh, all right. How many of you like Hee Haw? You remember Hee Haw? You know where I'm going, don't you? <laughs> you remember that song that they used to sing on Hee Haw? Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. Well, that would certainly have been the lament of this poor widow. And unfortunately, it is the theme song of so many people. Especially the poor. Have you ever noticed that poor people seem to have particularly bad luck? And of course, a part of the reason for that is that they are poor. You see, when you, when you don't have much money, you let the maintenance go on your house and then your roof leaks and then that ruins your ceiling and your ceiling falls apart and that ruins your floor. You kind of get the picture, don't you? Or because you're poor, you, you can't afford to go to the doctor until it's too late and what, what might have been a minor issue suddenly becomes a life-threatening And we must remember that Jesus had great compassion for the poor. And if we are truly Jesus' followers, then we also will look upon the plight of the poor with great compassion. It's no fun being poor. And this widow knew exactly how, how that felt. But for now, God was being pretty good. God is providing for her needs and and she was pleased, but then she hit an obstacle that she could not handle. And that's kind of where we come with the scripture that was read a moment ago. You see, her precious son became seriously ill and stopped breathing. And this distraught widow said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Now, this is a very telling sentence here because that's what people believe back in biblical days. And some people believe it today as well. Her son was sick, and so she felt that she was being punished for, because of something that she had done. But Elijah said, give me your son. And so he, he took the boy and carried him to his own room and laid him on the bed. And he cried out to God, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy upon this widow by causing her son to die? And you might think that Elijah, he's a prophet, right? He's a prophet of Yahweh, a prophet of God. And you might think a prophet, surely he's got life figured out, but he has no clue. 
He doesn't know what's going on here. He has no idea why this widow's son is, is dead. But he stretched himself out on the boy three times, and he cried out, Lord, my God, let this boy live. And the writer of 1 Kings simply says, The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him. And then Elijah picked up the child and carried him back to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Can you imagine that? You know, it was good news when all of that flour and all of that oil kept appearing every day, day after day. But this, this is really good news. My son was dead and now he's alive. And certainly she, he felt elation and joy and gratitude, all of that. But think about this. This also confirms her faith in Elijah's God. And so she says to Elijah, now I know, because I've experienced this, because of what you have done in my life, now I know that you are a man of God. I had my doubts a little bit, but now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. Now, I don't believe that it was an accident that God sent Elijah to this widow at Zarephath. Did it matter that she was probably a worshiper of Baal? No. And who can fault her for that? She's probably raised that way. Her, her parents were probably worshipers of Baal. Her neighbors were Baal worshipers. It was a part of the air that she breathed, but she had a good heart. She, and she had a loving spirit. And she was willing to share with a stranger from another region and another religion. And I believe God loved this widow. Do you think God's heart doesn't go out to the plight of people in other lands and other faiths? Of course it does. And Jesus knew that God had that kind of heart. In fact, in Jesus' inaugural sermon in his own hometown of Nazareth, he makes reference to this story and to another story about Elijah's successor, Elisha. There's Elijah and there's Elisha. And he makes reference to two stories regarding each of these. He stood in the synagogue in which he was, had been raised. This was the synagogue that, where he grew up. And he read from Isaiah saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. There we go again. And he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. You think this woman had felt captive by her poverty? And recovery of sight to the blind and to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Okay. Jesus is saying this to his synagogue. So far, so good. People in the congregation right there with him, cheering him on. They were looking for good things to come from, from Joseph's boy. They had... They had seen the, the potential in him all of his life. He was a good boy. And now he was preaching in his hometown and to his home crowd. And they were so proud of him. And then he said, today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And they were amazed. They were excited. 
They had heard rumors about the miracles that he had performed in Capernaum. And, and they were wondering, could it be? Could the boy that we helped raise be the one who will usher in God's kingdom? And they were, they were leaning forward with rapt attention, excited about what they were hearing. And then he did it. He quit preaching and went to meddling. And the congregation of faithful people suddenly turned against Jesus. Now, what did he say that made them so angry? Years ago, Clarence Jordan translated much of the New Testament into southern lingo. And this was back during the days of Jim Crow laws and very strong racial tensions. And some of you lived through that. You know, you know how hard it was, especially in the South with the relationships between blacks and whites. And, and Clarence Jordan was a prophet in his time. And he translated much of the New Testament into southern lingo. And I love the way he puts this passage from Luke. In his cotton patch version, he has Jesus saying this to the congregation at Nazareth after they, well, when they get ticked off at him. He said, I'm telling you straight, there were a lot of white widows in Georgia during the time of Elijah when the skies were locked up for three years and six months and there was a great drought everywhere, but Elijah didn't stay with any of them. Instead, he stayed with a Negro woman over in Terrell County. And there, was, there were a lot of sick white people during the time of the great preacher Elisha but he didn't, he didn't heal any of them, only Naaman, the African. And when they heard that, the whole congregation blew a gasket. They jumped up, ran him out of town, dragged him to the top of the hill on which their city was built with the intention of pushing him off. But he got up and walked right through the middle of the whole mob. And went on his way. Now let's let that sink in for a moment. Do you hear what Jesus is saying here? In a restricted view of the universe, we say charity begins at home. But God is saying that that's not good enough. Charity begins wherever there's a need. There were a lot of Jewish widows that Elijah could have gone to and helped. And there were a lot of Jewish lepers that Elisha could have gone to and healed. But God chose these foreigners who worshipped a pagan god to receive a blessing from these prophets. And the congregation had been right there with him through all of his sermon. And they were busting at the seams with pride. And then he did it. He pointed out the fact that God loves even those pagan foreigners and ministered even to their needs. And that ticked them off so badly that they grabbed Joseph's boy and took him off to the edge of the cliff ready to throw him off. My friends, there are many people of faith who have such a small God. A God who only reflects their own petty prejudices. But I am here to tell you today that our God is the God of all 
people everywhere. Including people who have never been introduced to the God of Jesus. And that's our job. To let them know who Jesus is. Now I believe that Jesus is the best picture of the character of God that we can see. And so I believe that we ought to do everything we can do to to help people know the good news that Jesus came to bring. But in the meantime... Do not ask me to prejudge any other person of any other nationality or color or faith. Because, my friends, our God is the God of everyone. Do you think God had a plan when God sent Elijah to Zarephath? Don't you think that after this experience with Elijah, this widow couldn't wait to tell somebody? about this prophet of Yahweh who had blessed her life so much, don't you think she became an evangelist to her own community, especially after her son was brought back from the brink of death? And so when we encounter people of other faiths, it's tempting for us to say, you're one of them. I don't want anything to do with you. But here's what God is saying to us in this passage of Scripture. When we encounter people of other faiths, this is to be our task. We are to be so kind and we are to be so loving towards them that they see who God really is. We are not to turn our backs on the needs of others as our Lord has instructed us to do. And remember, when God says to do something, do it. As the Lord has instructed us to do, and as the Lord has modeled in His own life, we are to have compassion on everyone, especially those in desperate need. What a wonderful story this is. God uses this prophet to bring healing into the home of a widow and her son. And in doing so, he, he introduces an entire village to the heart of, uh, in, in the heart of, of Baal country to the God of Abraham and Elijah and Jesus. But you know, that's the way God works, isn't it? Through people with open hearts towards people, towards other people whether they're like us or not. Amen. Let's sing our closing prayer together. Our closing prayer, closing hymn together. Four, uh, 576. Take the name of Jesus with you. And you know, when we take the name of Jesus with you, uh, the, the hymn kind of says that there are, there's blessings There's comfort. There's peace. There are blessings that come our way when we take the name of Jesus. But I want want us to think about this in a slightly different way. Let's take the name of Jesus with us, wherever we are in this world. And let's be a living witness to that name. And let's share that name. And like Elijah, let's take it to those people who are different from us. Because you know what? 
God is the God of everyone. Let's sing. Trust God for the past, for the forgiveness of our sins, for the healing of past hurts in our lives. Trust God for the present, for meeting our daily needs just as God did for this widow. For guidance in our daily living, let us trust God. Trust God for the future, for help with tomorrow's troubles, and for the hope of eternal life. In a world of uncertainty, in a world where peace seems to be hard to grasp, be encouraged that God's love is sure. Past, present, and future, God's love remains forever. Amen.